0: Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Range of Capital. With me, as always, my co-host and the founder of Range of Capital, Chris DeMuth. It is Friday, February 26th. Our topic of discussion today is going to be taking advantage of desperation and house rules. And uh, Chris, why don't I set the stage for us a bit? The conversation was prompted by an article in uh, the April 2012 issue of The Atlantic. The article is called The Man Who Broke Atlantic City, and it discusses how uh, Don Johnson wins almost $20 million from three Atlantic City City casinos in a month, including $6 million in a 12-hour blitz at the Tropicana Casino. And uh, his binge, they say it almost breaks the casinos. The CEO of one of the casinos gets fired. Uh, Upper management at all of the casinos gets shaken up in the wake of this uh, kind of binge. So, Chris, why don't you take over from there? How was Don Johnson able to break Atlantic City and what do you think about it?
1: Well, I think Atlantic City was almost broken before he got there, and (laughs) I think one of the things that he really uh, took advantage of. When I say somebody took advantage of some, for me, that's always a compliment. Yeah, think It sometimes has negative connotation, but um, that uh, Vegas is easier and cheaper to get to. Uh, People of very modest means go to Vegas constantly. You can chat with cabbies in New York, and they often are coming or going from a trip to vegas uh, and then local casinos in more and more parts of the country are available and acs squeezed in between the two and it was desperate and don johnson was able to go talking to marketing people not to statisticians mm-hmm. and change some of the rules of the game yep so
0: one of the things the article very clearly lays out at the top is uh atlantic's City had been in a five year slump. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is because it used to be you either had Vegas or Atlantic City, but there had been tons of local casinos. I'm from New Orleans. I know two or three had opened up down there. Local casinos were opening up and they were sapping a lot of the business. Some casinos in Jersey and stuff were sapping local business from Atlantic City. And that gave marketers power. When a casino is desperate, marketers gain power to negotiate with high rollers. Mm And uh, they were marketers were fighting for business to bring people into desperate Atlantic City casinos. So uh, what does he do with the desperate marketers?
1: Well, what most people would do would be to ask for champagne, kind of wine, women, and song, yep. transportation, and so forth. And Don Johnson uh, has a bit of a shtick. He looks just a little bit like somebody who would ask for that. I mean, some of these guys look... A little bit like mathematicians, you know, uh, drinking seltzer water and they have the glasses and the kind of air of MIT students and the casinos know how to look for that now. Don Johnson like actually kind of likes having a good time. I think he drinks a little bit while he's uh, playing and so forth. He's not a traditional counter in this, that respect, Um, but he's very uh, clinical about what he asked for. Uh, instead of Wine, Women, and Song, uh, he uh, went through and changed some of the rules that really dramatically changed the odds of Blackjack in a way that the people he was speaking with did not realize.
0: Yep, so he Blackjack, if you play with perfect strategy, the house has an edge, but it's a very small very one. Small. And what he does is he gets them to make a bunch of, uh, we'll, we'll call them small tweaks. The article actually isn't super clear on what they are, but he gets them to make a bunch of small tweaks When when you add them up. That odds become in his favor, and in addition, he gets them to give a rebate on any of his losses, assuming he did lose. So he gets the odds in his favor plus the rebate, and then he does what you do when you have the odds in your favor and you're a skilled mathematician slash gambler. He bets heavily, and with that, takes $20 from the casinos, and that's kind of how he does that. I should note that Chris is playing with a deck of cards in his hands as we talk about this. Anything else on Don Johnson before we get to how you use it in investing?
1: I think his edge was probably, I think probably about ten percent. When all was said and done, uh, he churned through a lot of money uh, and ended up uh, making a uh, eight figure amount of money and uh, uh, and did very well. Uh, he's not welcome to play at the high roller <laughs> table anymore.
0: I, I actually, I think at the end, Tropicana says. They'll welcome. They'll welcome him back, but they just won't give him the same rules. So they want that money back. I doubt it'll go without uh, the same rules. But yeah. So let's switch over to investing. So I think the the two pieces, the two takeaways from this are the way you kind of turn the edge in your favor is you deal with desperation and you switch up the house rules. Yeah. So in investing, I think there are two areas we wanted to talk about, and we talk about these quite a bit, but we might as well go through them again. Uh, first area. House rules lead to for So, Chris, why don't you start uh, with for-selling due to house rules, and why don't you pick it up with one of the ones we talk about all the time, broken arbitrage?
1: Sure. Uh, I like merger arbitrage. I love broken arb. Uh, many of the merger arb-dedicated funds specialize in this one event-driven strategy, mm-hmm. and when deals break, as they do, uh, the risk of risk-arb, uh, sometimes there's price-insensitive selling, uh, sometimes they're just following their mandate, uh, they're desperate to get out. The uh, big example of the recent era of arbitrage, people called Arbageddon, uh, when uh, AbbVie, uh in a deal that was a very popular arb position, uh, was in a deal with Shire, they yep. walked away. Shire kind of went immediately from about 200 fifty dollars To about one hundred and fifty dollars, and a lot of people owned it at two hundred and fifty, sold it at one hundred and fifty, and then it almost immediately went back to two hundred and fifty. Yep, uh, yep, and that was kind of where the unaffected market price was, and it kind of had this a hundred down and a hundred up round trip, just on ARBs getting out. Yep,
0: it, it's interesting because sometimes you'll see a company that was selling for ten dollars before a deal happened. They get offered fifteen, they'll trade right below fifteen, and then the deal will break, and they'll trade for they'll trade down to $6 for per share, share for a day. And you'd be like, well, I mean, the deal broke. Maybe that's a little negative a sign, but like $6 versus they were at 10, like I haven't seen that much negative news. So it can be the
1: biggest example i ever had was i was on a somewhat controversial vacation down in new zealand and people (laughs) thought i should have been at work and we had a huge position in unisource that was getting lbo would a utility and talking to a lot of utility funds we were probably one of the biggest non-utility fund holders at the time Mm -hmm. um they were uh looking at this And at a time when it was about a 10% annualized return to own the ARB, they were very skeptical of owning it because utility stocks were racing like crazy. So everybody with a relative mandate, they needed to sell something that looked like it had a plus 10% expectancy. So even with a better and better risk reward, from my absolute value perspective, they liked it less and less. The deal broke and it plummeted for about five seconds. And then it went way, way, way up above, you know, ended up, I think, 50% above where the deal price was. And it actually took a few days to kind of sort out ARBs getting out and fundamental guys getting in.
0: You know, an interesting one that is in the market now that we're doing work on and that has uh, caused some consternation around here is Clico had a broken deal this week and uh, shares traded down 10 to 15%. The deal is not broken yet. But if you look at Cleco stock versus what the utility index has done since the deal was announced. Cleco's right back to its price where to where it was priced before the deal was announced, whereas the utility stock index has actually run up twenty percent. So if you're thinking about it on a relative basis, it's actually much cheaper than it was. And uh, I don't know, we're still doing work. It's caused some. uh, some anxiety around here this week, but it's an interesting ongoing situation.
1: Great
0: example. Uh, Why don't I go to the next one? So one, again, one we talk about all the time, liquidating hedge funds. And this can be two examples. A, hedge fund going out of business owns a large position. At that point, they have to sell off. You know, (laughs) their business is over. They have to give money back to LPs. Or hedge funds has one or two big concentrated positions, gets a margin call, and has to sell off at any price because of the margin call. Either way, if they're big concentrated positions and the hedge fund's big enough, they have to sell at any price and it can drive stock prices down really far below their intrinsic value in a short period of time. And as soon as the selling is done, you often see the stock kind of swing back up. So mm-hmm. great area. I don't know if you want to add anything or talk about any examples or anything.
1: No, that's that's a good one. Nothing to
0: add. The only, I'll just add one more thing to my own thing. Uh, Bill Ackman, in his letter, he mentioned a lot of his positions were down last year. And he thinks part of it was people said, oh, his fund's down 20%. He's in trouble. Let's bet against it because if if he continues going down, he'll have to sell something in there. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And Chris, uh, we've got a couple more bankrupt bankrupt stocks, OTC traded stocks after they get kicked off a uh, after they get kicked off an exchange, and index kickouts. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take any of those?
1: Uh, index kickouts is a favorite of yep. mine, um, and that's something that we are involved in from time to time. Um, Kansas City Life is one that got annihilated right at the end of the year, just on a uh, getting kicked out of the Russell two thousand. Uh, market makers bought it and then in a week January equity market they kind of were stuck with it longer than they wanted to and then just kept selling and selling and selling. Uh, That is something that is a fraction of its value and uh, with no relationship to its value whatsoever.
0: Yep, yep. And it's interesting, you know, a stock... it's intrinsic – a company's intrinsic value, which is how we always think about companies, it doesn't tra- change whether it's on the NASDAQ or OTC. But in this case, Kansas City Life shares went from 48 to 35 purely because it moved from NASDAQ to OTC. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a very interesting one, which we are actively following as well. Uh, so that's for, that's taking advantage of four sellers. But there's another place where you can take advantage of, uh, of kind of house rules and desperation – and that's negotiating a deal against the non-economic buyer. Mm-hmm. And I think we have two of these. There's a really big company that's buying a strategically important, very small company. And then there are short squeezes. And Chris, why don't you start off taking really big company buying strategically important small
1: company? I love this situation. I've been in a couple I'll, – I'll focus on just one of them, but we've been in this situation a couple times where something was massively important to us. Yep. It was a big deal for us, but a minuscule deal for the people we were speaking with. So we might have been a you know 4 or 5% holder of a company that was maybe worth kind of an eight-figure company size yep. company uh, and talking to a company of orders of magnitude bigger. So they typically want to do things in an upright way that – Helps their reputation or doesn't hurt it, mm-hmm. and is most like really convenient for them. So we found that you need to have everything super organized. Like, yeah. you can't expect a large, drawn-out process. Uh, the first example I bring up is Google, and Google was the buyer of a company that we had a significant investment in. A large, we were large holders, in, in a company that had almost no other large holders called On2, and this was a compression and decompression company. Mm-hmm. So basically, they would simplify. Uh, image and make it faster cheaper easier and take up less bandwidth to stream video yep okay simple little company it was close to bankruptcy without a deal we probably have filed the next day for bankruptcy equity would have gotten wiped out They came in and they said, hey, we'll give you 60 cents. And they being Google. Google Google. came in. They wanted it. I mean, I I knew the folks there pretty well. They said basically, hey, we we can get just to buy the technology. It's slightly convenient for us to do it before bankruptcy. We want to keep the people happy. Uh, And they were very – this was definitely – an aqua hire situation they wanted the individuals that started it they were happy to take the company they wanted the technology well
0: it was an aqua hire but also you said it was a compression Mm -hmm. video compression Mm -hmm. and if you when you think google you think youtube and i think there was also the fact using this technology was going to save them millions and millions of dollars on youtube so it was definitely to get the people but the technology had huge value to google that it probably only had to It did not have to onto, and it maybe had to one or two other people in the world. But to Google, that was a lot of money for this small company.
1: They offered $0.60 of Google stock. From the background, from the moment they talked, everybody at the company uh, was interested. They were so excited they were going to work at Google. 100% of the negotiation was about their role uh, at Google. They never came back once. They never said, how about 61 cents? They never said, how about uh, a ratio of Google shares? Uh, From the time they started talking, Google was up about 50% in the process. And uh, me, the poor schmuck who just owned the place, uh, was left to come back and said, hey, why don't we readjust this? Now, what was neat about it was there were so many retail holders that they really couldn't get the vote without us.
0: Yep. So what happened is they the deal was announced yep. and they said, we will give you $100 worth of Google shares. And let's say Google at the time was trading for $100, right? So that means you get one to share. But this was in 2009 and stocks were racing as yep. they as kind of the stock market bottom. And Google went, and these are just rough numbers to make it simple. Google went from a hundred to 200. So all of a sudden what had been, we're going to give you one share per share went to, we're going to give you half a share. Yeah. And what you're saying is you, you just went back and said, Hey, we're, we want to sell it to you, but this is no longer fair. Just readjust it so that the deal was fixed. and It was floating instead of fixed. Yeah. So you just give us that one share and the deal goes through. Yeah. And Google a small small company for them, a lot of benefit to them. They came back and did it.
1: They came back, and uh, I was I was talking with a good friend that was in the room at the time, and he said the guy looked over his shoulder, and they met us halfway. You know, yeah. so we got a twenty five percent upside, not a fifty percent upside, but they threw in fifteen cents uh, per share in cash and came back, and we said done (laughs)
0: yeah so those are rare they're very rare but when you find them and if it's that strategically important sometimes it's it can result in a bidding war we'll see that every now and then uh but when it happens if you if you're even a little bit of a sticking point it's likely that somebody's coming over the top because cost is not the biggest consideration there right all right so that's that why don't i go to uh negotiate a deal against a non-economic buyer I think the best example of these is a short squeeze. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the most famous one that's ever happened is Porsche Volkswagen in 2008. Uh, Basically, what happened is Porsche bought up 80% of Volkswagen shares and kind of 25% of Volkswagen shares outstanding were short. And you can do the math. There are now more short shares outstanding than there are publicly available shares. And that can cause the stock price to skyrocket. In Volkswagen's case, it briefly became the most valuable company in the world, which Volkswagen is a nice brand, but it is not the most valuable company in the world because everyone has to buy at any price just trying to avoid uh, complete ruin if there are no more shares to buy at the end. Another famous one recently is Martin Shkreli with uh, K-Bio. This was a company that was basically on on the verge of bankruptcy. They said, we're going to liquidate and there's nothing for shareholders. And the stock traded down to kind of $1 per share, and about 50% of shares were short. Marge Grelli came in, and he bought 60% of the shares. And again, you can do the math. You buy 60%, only 40% are outstanding, 50% of shares are short. You can't buy enough to cover your short. Uh, it caused the share price to go from a dollar to $40 per share, at which point he IPO'd some of the company and uh, raised a bunch of cash. Uh, it was really interesting, pretty brilliant. It ended in tears when he kind of uh, got arrested for fraud, got fired from the company, and it looks like the company is actually going to go bankrupt now. But for a while, it was extremely interesting and caused a lot of pain for people who were short-selling it looking for the zero in liquidation. you have anything there?
1: It was fun for a while.
0: <laughs> it was fun. It was interesting, interesting, uh, incredible situation, but it looks like that's over. Okay, Chris, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Uh, if you already follow us, please be sure to leave us a rating. And if you already rated us, please be sure to share us with a friend. Uh, that's it for this week, and we will see you again next week. Talk to you then.